Welcome to the Creator Hub. My name is Lloyd, and every single week, we share content to help you level up on your journey as a creator. Today, I connected with my friend Kashif. He's an award-winning director, writer, and producer. Kashif runs a media company called Dunya Media. I actually met Kashif because I thought the content he posted on TikTok was so inspiring. And then one day, he just happened to post a video telling everyone that he had a film screening in LA for a film that he wrote. So I DM'd him and told him I was gonna show up. Since then, we've just been friends and kept in touch. I was so excited that he agreed to join me on my podcast. We spoke about the similarities in creating a film and being a social creator. I know you'll enjoy this episode. In just a moment, we'll dive right in. The number one question I get the most is how do I make money from my podcast? The second question I get the most is how do I record a video podcast virtually? And I always tell people what works for me. What if I told you that there was a tool that would allow you to effortlessly record and edit your podcast all while using AI? Riverside is a podcast recording platform that will even let you edit your podcast using the transcript of your podcast so you literally don't have to be an audio expert to edit your podcast. I have a 15% off discount code for you to see for yourself. You can check out the show notes to find the link. Recording a podcast virtually has never been this easy. If you've been following my content for a while now, you know that I only have one piece of advice for aspiring creators. Just start. Like, literally, now. Well, once you get started and you get going, you'll reach a point where the next logical step is investing in your business. This may be equipment or a course or even traveling to create some content. The only challenge is funding from banks is so challenging, especially as creators. This is where Juice Club saves the day. Juice Club is a super cool members only community designed to help creators like you and me take our businesses to the next level. One of the many perks they provide is short-term, flexible funding on your terms. There are different funding options for creators at different stages, and you always stay in total control of your content. I'm dropping a link in the show notes. Please check them out. I decided that like going forward, I'm going to do podcast introductions differently. Instead of doing like this long bio that feels very formal, I am going to introduce people based on their social media bios. Like how fitting is that considering that we are like the creator hub? And so today our guest, this is his bio. I asked him if he preferred TikTok and Instagram. TikTok is what he said. So here we go. Film and TV director, co-founder at Danya.ca and muslimsinmedia.org. Please help me welcome Kashif Pasta to the podcast. How are you today? Hey, thank you. Good. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. I've been a fan of your content. Honestly, I feel like I know you. I appreciate literally, that. Literally, just from your content. Uh, and so I'm super excited to, to be chatting today. I want to break down your bio a bit. I know that you're like a film and TV director, but tell me how you got into that. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm, I'm one of those people who... Uh, 
who, for, oh, sorry, I'm, I was just tripping out being inside the TikTok right now because that's, that's throwing me off. I'm like, it's, it's really great to be here. And I feel like I know you too. I'm like, I'm on the podcast of the podcast. This is the, the person. Uh, so it's exciting to be here. Um, for getting into film, yeah, I am one of those people who like started really young, like kind of gathering my toys together, making little stop motion videos. I think for me, like as a little kid, I thought all movies and TV shows were real. When I was like three, four years old, I didn't, I just, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know. And so took watching Saved by the Bell with my older sisters and they're like, no, these aren't real kids in real high school. Like, you know, they're pretending and it just blew my mind. And I was like, but why? Like, that's their job. They're, they're right. tricking people to just what make them happy. And I was like, I want that to be my job and kind of never got over that phase. Yeah. Uh, even when things got a little more serious, like my birthday is September 11th, genuinely. So on my 10th birthday, kind of big world changing events. Yeah. And and for me, like that was a key inflection point of seeing like media and images kind of turned against me. And there was this thing I really loved. I love movies, I love TV. And then seeing like uh, the news and the repeated imagery and like racist stereotypes increase through my teenage years and being like, oh, this actually has like a really serious impact as well. Yeah. Um, and then kind of seeing yeah, the dichotomy of both, like really loving the kind of joy and fun of it and then seeing the serious side of it. And and having a life that's full of, you know, all these different stories about me in a sense and wanting to just kind of tell my own. And so I think, yeah. you know, gathering friends together in high school and making shorts and making film festivals and kind of just never really got over the the phase of having a really fun time making our own stories together. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think is like interesting about the talk is like you you meet people, right? And you sort of get like this lens into their life, right? And yeah. so you you think, you assume that like because they're posting so much content that you like know them. And then you start yeah. to think you know everything about them. But what I've started to notice is that most people are being, well, not most people, a lot of people, in this case, you are just very, very reserved and I think they downplay how important they are. You <laughs> are the co-founder of Danya. And if I'm not mistaken, you guys worked with Hassan Minaj on like the Homecoming King. Right, right on, on the Vancouver side of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah on the live tour. Yeah. yeah. Dude, tell me yeah. about that. How was that? Exciting. Yeah. So Danya is a production company I started in 2015, 2016. Um when I was, you know, I was on this journey of like I really wanted to direct films. I really wanted to tell stories that, you know, I center people who are normally marginalized. And so I care about representation, but I really care about who's centered in the stories and and really want to help, you know, people change how they see the world and their place in it. And it sounds really lofty, but really like through stories that have a sense of joy and wonder and fun, because a lot of times, especially for like stories by or for people of color, it's like all trauma based mm -hmm. and wanting to be like, no, but I like, can you be Muslim and happy at the same time? Is it possible? Like, yeah, right, I think right. yeah, I've, I've lived it. Um, and wanting to tell stories more from our point of view. And so, um, so I was working in the industry, started out as a video editor, really love uh, that, but it wasn't quite directing shifted into feature visual effects it was great, but it wasn't, you know, it was making heroic white dude movies. And every couple of years, like a uh, fast and furious would come through the studio and we'd get Tyrese on screen, but like there's a melanin. Right. That's about it. That was like, the extent of the diversity. Um, and so when I quit that job to, well, actually I took a sabbatical. I said, I might come back. Right. Right. And then I was like, I was in Vancouver at the time and I was like, let me just go far or as far as I can on this trip. So I went to New York and on that trip, I, uh, saw that Hasan Minhaj, who was at the time just on The Daily Show, he was like branching out and doing this one-man show uh, off-Broadway. And I was like, I don't know, it's like Brown Comics, probably going to be disappointing, but you got to be, you got to support, you got to be down for the yeah. cost. Went and saw it, and Homecoming King was a show that did center us in it. And it was for everyone, but again, just that slight recentering of things like, 
you know, and he'd make a cultural reference, he'd make the reference first and then he'd explain it. Or he'd say something in Hindi, then he'd translate or sometimes he wouldn't necessarily translate and you're like, oh, is this what it feels like to be spoken to? Directly? Right. And so at the time it's funny because he was just starting out on that stuff and I think I wrote a review of it. I got really obsessed. I wrote a review of it on Medium. Mm. And I think it was like his first positive review or like one of the first few or at least one of the first few that was from someone who was from the same background. Yep. And so he had seen that. So we connected a little bit over that. And then, yeah, started to once I started the production company, um, because I was like, I think this is the time to do it. Um, in addition to making film content and film media, we we started to do some live events as well. And so did his yeah his tour in Vancouver in 2017 and 2021 for King's Jester, which was post-Netflix and very different, yeah. uh, very different level of awareness and stuff. Yeah, yeah. dude, I, I love that, man. And I, I think I, I'm so excited because I feel like there's a lot of dimensions to you. And I think there's a lot that I want to talk about yeah. today. Um, I found the first video that I saw on TikTok. Yeah. The, like the moment I saw this, this is the video I saw when I followed you. And I want to play Ooh, just like a okay. small so like chunk of it. Okay. Uh, just to get your thoughts. Okay. On it. I'm so, so curious what, uh, what gets the attention. So I direct uh, movies and like commercials as a job, which that's made up. Like 14 year old me is like, wow. Professional filmmakers don't use TikTok because, to be honest, they act like they're better than it. But I think we're just scared because we don't know how to like use the app, and that's me too. Because I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't, I don't have a cinematographer with me. If I'm doing this, I'm already embarrassed. I'm gonna play the whole video in this post, but yeah. I do want to like reference that video, and I do think that like I hadn't personally seen a lot of people that were in like the filmmaker role mm -hmm. on TikTok and just being transparent about their journey until I saw your content. And so I want to ask, like, what led you to go from being someone that's like. A actual creator, like a film creator, to now being like creating content on TikTok, highlighting your journey. Yeah, that's so cool to hear, man. Because like that video was—it always happens where like the one that's the throwaway, like this isn't going to get yeah. anything. But then I did a proper one, and the proper one will do well. <laughs> so that was the one where I was like, oh, I want to talk about this, but I have like a minute before I get into my apartment, and I cannot have my wife see me film a TikTok. <laughs> not now, not like this. Um, yeah, it's interesting because like I came up like when I first started making shorts. It was like just about the year, year before YouTube started. So like I've been very aware and very much of like part of the creator movement in a sense, yep. sometimes from afar, like not, not really ever being like a YouTuber per se. Uh, first video I ever, I have a three letter YouTube name from like 2005 and like first yeah. video I ever uploaded was a game trailer I had like downloaded and then re-uploaded to see how it worked. And it got like a million views and wow. it never occurred to me that gaming content would be big on YouTube. I just went, that's crazy and right. moved on, right? So for me, like I've been very aware of it. And and I think at a certain point, like I realized in the last couple of years that actually we're using certain words really interchangeably that aren't a hundred percent the same thing. So like, for example, filmmaker, there's a lot of filmmakers on YouTube who are doing a lot of like camera reviews and a lot of maybe technical content and stuff like that, or they're doing a lot of maybe, um, you know, like sports type content. Um, and not to say they're not filmmakers, they totally are, but it's actually kind of a different industry than yeah. maybe like the traditional film industry. And at a certain point within the last couple of years, I think it was, <laughs> I had to research cameras and I hate researching cameras. I hate going through all these technical like comparisons yeah. and stuff. And there's one of these channels that was like a multi-million subscriber channel of filmmaking and he had this video amongst all the camera reviews that was him visiting a film set. And he was really fascinated with all the jobs. And I was like, 
but wait, but he's a filmmaker. Right. Is he not familiar? Like, this is a very normal set. And I was like, oh, there's different types. Mm. And we're all saying filmmaker, director, editor, whatever, but it's actually a very different thing. And I was like, oh, there aren't really that many people in the traditional film industry that are doing that type of content. My favorite one probably is um, David Sandberg, who, mm. um, you know, did a lot of YouTube horror shorts and would do a lot of behind the scenes and then yeah. grew into making some like longer films and then now directed the Shazam movies. Wow. So, and he still does YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, kind of inconsistently, but does them and they're really great. And so like, there's really not that much insight. And so, yeah, that video is from around when Reels started and like Re Instagram was really pushing Reels and I went, everyone's really mad at this, but everyone my age or in my kind of part of the industry is not going to be doing it for a while. So this yep. is a chance to learn and kind of like, you see what it's all about because yeah. it's going to be the way of the future. Yeah. Yeah. Do, I love that. And I mean, do you, have you found that to be true? Have you found that there have actually, like what's been the experience with you getting on TikTok? I mean, I'm on the show. Like this is really right. Like this is a very real outcome of it, which is crazy. Like to me, that's literally me walking from my car to my elevator. Yeah. Right. In at the time in Seattle, right. right? Actually, right. neither of us were living in LA at the time. Yeah. That video was out. Right. Wow. Completely separately. We both moved here. That's insane. So like, and that was like, I'm, I walk from my car to my elevator all the time. Right. right. right? And so I, I found that like, I mean, I'm still finding it really. And we, we've talked about this of like, you know, you try to be as authentic as possible, but it's also like what slice of that do people respond to, I guess. Yeah. And, and so I, I don't know the answer, but yeah, I have found that it's been really incredible, especially this new model where like the videos go out there and it's not necessarily just for your followers. Like yep. the platform finds an audience has been really cool because I think a lot of people who are in my ideal audience who are, you know, usually people of color who want better films or stories that, don't just have them in a victimized position. Yeah. They don't necessarily know that that's what they're looking for. So there's, they're not Googling around for that. But if it can find them, then that's really exciting. And so yeah. it's, fine, like, it's a really incredible way to connect with an audience who maybe didn't even know this type of thing exists. Yeah. I feel like there's like a group, like a batch of people that started on TikTok, maybe like a little like mid pandemic to like mm. end pandemic that I think got like a decent following. Like I put myself in like that bucket, right? Like I think my content was like literally like as we were getting right out of the pandemic, mm. that's when I got like a lot of my followers and I felt like my content was performing well. And I think those people are having trouble with all the changes that have been made to TikTok, maybe from like an algorithm standpoint or whatever right. it may be, or maybe it's just like listener and watch watcher fatigue, like whatever the reason is, yeah. their content just isn't performing as well now. And then I look at your channel, right? And it's like, yo, you have like a few videos recently that have done like really, really well, right? Like I'm like 15, 19,000, like on some of your videos, mm. like why do you think your videos perform well? Like now, like what specifically about your videos do you think like people are drawn to? Oh, I'm, I'm really not. I wish I knew I'd make more of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like it, it looks good on the grid right now, but it's because I haven't been making that many. And I'm like, because I get where I'm like, well, if it only gets this many, then is it worth making? Which I know it's not true. And you don't know what's going to do well. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you never know what percentage of it is TikTok trying to like reward me and right. be like, hey, yeah, 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 you should do more. Because and then, you know, as soon as you do more, they're like, well, actually, they kind of play hard to get a little bit. They right? do. They're, it's a slightly abusive relationship. So they're like, <laughs> no, no, now, now you, you're you running at us. Like, we're going to slow down. Right. But if I only come on every month or two, they're like, yeah, yeah, we want you. But I don't know. So there might be some percentage of that. Right. Um. But when things do work and, and to me, yeah, like that 15,000 zone is like amazing. Like it's not mm -hmm. like the multi-million, but I don't think that's, that's my zone anyways. Yep. Um, I think the videos that work are the ones where like, there's some level of either entertainment or information that the audience is getting. I think when it's more centered around like the value that they're getting out of it, rather than yep. just the value of like me promoting myself. Yeah. Um, I think 
people pick up on that. I think the algorithm as a result kind of picks up on that where, I mean, same thing with like the films I try to make. Like for me, it's not just a way for me to like tell a story and that's all that matters. Like I want to make things that actually affect people that actually add, bring something to their lives. Yeah. So I think there's like a micro version of that. And I've noticed like, obviously like those first few seconds matter a lot and I try not to like over obsess about it, but yeah, it's interesting. Like I thought ones with more effort make more difference, but then the last one I posted, I think it may have been slightly overproduced so that you feel it of like, Oh, he put in too much effort. Yeah. Do you feel like that? Cause I think that like TikTok, in my opinion, like you were just saying, I think it rewards creators that are a little more rugged and that are a little less produced. And I think given that you have like a filmmaker background, yeah, how has tough. that transition been? Yeah. it's. I mean, well, so there's two things. One, I'm like, I guess it's like the authenticity thing. So if you can authentically do super high quality, then that also like makes you stop scrolling, right? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it was kind of freeing in the sense that I thought because I'm a filmmaker, I'm a director, like I do this for work, like I've got to do like the fanciest setup, the fanciest videos possible. And like, I was just never going to get around to that basically. Yeah. Right? Like I bought the A7S and I had it ready to go. And it's just like, man, this is its whole own job to do this. And then when I was like, oh, actually let's try something super casual. Cause I was basically, I then wasn't doing any content. Yep, and I'm like, yep. Okay, well, that can't be the answer. If it's either super fancy or it's nothing, like I did do a few TikToks a couple of years ago that did really well, and they were more, they weren't really around film, they were just more personal, but they were really produced. Like they took a few hours to do each. Wow. And they, they each did well. And I was like, okay, but this is its own job now. And so, so then I stopped doing them. And then I'm like, well, not doing it can't be the answer. So it's almost like finding that solution that works for my life. Yeah. And trying to find what's that version because there's a version of stop everything yep. to make content. I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. And not making any content can't be the answer yeah. because um, I do want to connect with people. So really just finding that, that mix. And then I think, yeah, like the more honest it can get, the better. But then one thing I worry about as a filmmaker is like what's honest versus what's too in the weeds. Mm. But then as an audience member, like I'll watch like farmers do really specific farming stuff. Yeah. And like it's in the weeds, but I don't know, like I'm kind of into yeah. it. So I don't know, like your, your monthly report card thing yep. is like amazing. Yeah. And it's such a thing where it's like, it's because again, it's storytelling, right? There was like a, a, a character who had a goal at the beginning of the year. Yep. And then now we're getting all the like the check-ins and the milestones and the stakes are raising. And as we get closer to December, are we hitting the number? Are we yeah. not? Like I'm kind of with you on the journey, even if not every single day, like those checks, I'm like, well, that's so exciting. And your whole thing of like inspiring creators, like it does do that. Cause it's like, oh look, it's been working. It's been working. <laughs> I can do that. So like, and it's a simple video. It's yeah. well produced. It's like, you know, it's like clear. It's not like super handheld, like pretending to be authentic. It is authentic in its own produced way. But like that also takes a lot of confidence to be able to be like, I'm going to say these yeah. well, numbers. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> and and you know, it's so funny. Like, you're the perfect person for me to ask this. Cause I think the challenge I've been having, right. is like, I've for the last, like, I think 13 days, at least one person has said like, hey, I really like this creative report card yeah. series for the last 13 days. So that's like encouraging. And I know that like, that is like my best performing series. Yeah. The challenge is like, I literally can only do them one once a month. And I don't know how to like, how do you take yeah. that, whatever that is, that style of content or yeah. that transparency, yeah. how could you duplicate that into like other forms of content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cause there's like the journey of like, well, what, are, cause I would love to know the middle steps of like, as these deals are coming in, there was, I think a while ago, might have even been like last year. There's a video where you like show the types of DMs you sent to brands or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So like seeing those steps is really cool. Mm. But then at the same time, like as an audience member, I'm like, yeah, do all of that. And then if I was you, I'd be like, yeah, but my content can't just be about making the D de- like, yeah. but, it can, but it can be. Right, but right. also I could see how that would feel weird. Like as yeah. you individually, like there's a documentary that Morgan, ooh, what's his last name? 
he's the guy who did Super Size Me. He did this oh, uh, okay. the documentary. Yeah, yeah. And he did a documentary that was about product placement. Mm-hmm. And the whole documentary was him getting sponsorships for the documentary. Wow. So the making of the documentary is him getting the documentary funded. Right. And it's like amazing. And it's yeah. a cool way to do like an art project, but it's like, I guess a scary process as well yeah. of like, well, all my content can't be about how to get brand deals, but I guess it can right. at the same time. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. But it'd be interesting to see all those steps. Like what yeah. were those? Yeah. Dude, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. And I think that world lately has been like interesting enough to me because I think like, it's weird. This is like what happens. Yeah. Brands see those videos and they reach out because they see those videos. So it's like, oh, I want, I, like, I'd love to help you. Yeah. Like, let's do this. So like recently someone reaches out to me, right? And they wanted me to film these TikTok videos for them. Uh, kind of I, like I have a few like retainers where like I do, like, it's just like seven videos a month, 10 videos a month. Yeah. So they wanted something like that. But just working with them for like a year, would have doubled my goal. So it was like $98,000, right. right? So then we go through this like negotiating period and dude, I promise you this could have been like a movie. Like See, this is so what like, I mean. It's like those instances could be good. I just don't think that that's like I I like the entire time I was going through that, I was just thinking like, man, I can't wait till this is over so I can like explain it to people or whatever. Yeah. Like I don't know how to like package that in a way that's Documented like yeah, complete. Yeah, cuz that's the other thing is like that as an audience I'd be so fascinating to watch that whole journey of like this deal is about to come in. It's going to double my goal for the year. And then being able to watch it like go through or fall apart either way is fascinating. Right. But then again, I'm like, but is that unprofessional for the, for that to be, you know, on the brand perspective. But then I feel like there would be brands who are like, yeah, 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 we actually want to, we want to be the ones who come through for you. But then I'm like, well, I don't want to burn the brand because you know, the negotiations are usually pretty quiet. Like what part do you keep quiet versus what do you talk about? It's like, it's hard to, it's a weird thing to balance. Like, and that was like the reason I didn't post it was just like, I, I I didn't want them to see it and know like how I was feeling as we're like negotiating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, that's what would break through. So it's like the same thing about talking about the money. Like the fact that you're doing it is amazing, but like, individually it's like how I, I can't i can't talk about this stuff what is it do? but the fact that you're breaking that barrier is yeah. why it's doing so well yeah so it's like you're saying what you're not allowed to say but i mean yeah again it's same thing in film world like things will happen and people are like oh you should make like a linkedin post about that i'm like yeah but i, I don't there's still that invisible barrier where it's like yeah but i don't want to be the guy yeah. to like put that out there yeah um or to like you know burn that bridge necessarily. I do feel like the the creator economy to me comes off as like, yeah, we're like anti-establishment. Let's just like, yeah, we don't yeah. do it. Let's just like, if you mess up, I'm going to TikTok and I'm going to explain yeah. what happened. Yeah. Film to me seems like you could be blackballed. Oh, it's, it's absolutely. Like a, and you don't even know. You don't even know it happened. It's like an email yeah. that happens with another person and right. you're just like off the list. You're yeah. like, no one's calling me anymore. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, so funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like um, we we met in person because you posted a video and you were like, hey, this is sort of last minute. And they're doing a screening of my short film at mm-hmm. this specific studio. And it just so happened that that day I was like, oh, I'm totally free. Like, we should go. So, like, I told my wife about it uh, and we both came and we came to the screening and we watched the short. And then we so got to meet in, in person after that. And I want to talk a bit about like the process of creating that and where that idea even came from. But before I do that, I just want to express to the audience how amazing your short film was. Like, not only did like my wife cry while watching it, we spoke about it. No, 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 you didn't. Uh, She had to dip out a little early, like as soon as it was over. But um, like she cried, and then we spoke about it for like an hour on the way home, and it it just sparked a lot of conversation. And so I just want to learn like where did that idea to produce that film even come from? Yeah, so that short, which is called Daisy Standard Time Travel, and thank you so much for coming. Even the story behind that TikTok is 
ridiculous um, of just like basically being like two weeks of I should definitely make something, but am I going to make a TikTok <laughs> that's like good enough? Right. And then realizing like, oh no, it's tomorrow. I have to just post something. And I'm right. so glad you saw it and so glad you came last minute. But it's like, oh yeah, the whole week I was like, no, no, it's got to be really good. But anyways, the short film itself, yeah, it's called Daisy Standard Time Travel. It's playing at festivals now. Um, it's a young father who loses his own dad um, and gets a chance to go back in time and fix their last conversation. Um, but because it's Indian time travel and we're not good at time management to begin with, yeah. uh, instead of sending him back 30 days, they send him back 30 years to mm. when his parents are new immigrants. They're his age and they're pregnant with him. So yeah. he thinks he's going to go back at all this like parenting advice. But actually, he just meets a couple that's just as freaked out to have a kid as he is. Yeah. So it's really about like, yeah, seeing your parents as real people for the first time. Um, and for me, it came from a couple places. One was um, just that of like comparing stories like, you know, you hear or for me, like my, my parents are very much storytellers and them telling stories about their, you know, earlier years. When I was a kid, those stories were like about adults, right? So, you know, this happened, that happened when they were 23, 24, 25. And you're like, oh, that's the oldest someone can possibly be. Right. And then you reach those ages and you're like, oh my God. Right. <laughs> they were 23 when that happened? They were 24 <laughs> when that happened? Like they had a they had their first kid when they were 22? Like, yeah. That's, that's wild. It's like, crazy. Um, and so just starting to realize like, they're real people in that sense is kind of crazy. Yep. Um, and then I've always just liked sci-fi and always liked, it was like really, I grew up in a lot of British drama, British sci-fi comedy um, where it's very grounded. And I love that idea of being able to bring something that's like emotionally grounded with yep. that little stardust of, of sci-fi or genre that kind of lets us step back from our reality and really yep. think about our lives. So it's weird because it's like a little less realistic, but to make us think about our real lives of like, what would that be like to be able to talk to them? And yeah. what would that be like to talk to them without the baggage of being their kid or them being your parent? Because parents and kids, like that's the closest relationship you can have with a human being, literally shared DNA. Yeah. But also there's like a gap you can never cross because you're different generations. And when you're like immigrant first gen, there's an even bigger gap that you like grew up in different cultures. Yeah. And so it's just such a fascinating thing to me because, you know, it's it's a relationship most of us have, but it's that like that, that, emotional asymptote that yeah. you can never like quite, you know, close that gap. Yeah. yeah it's like always so close, but never exact. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, I, uh, when I watched the film, one of the things I thought about was the fact that my parents came, they literally came from Zimbabwe to the United States with an entire family. Yeah. Well, pretty young. Like that, that's a yeah. lot. Like I, I just moved to a different state and it's just me and my wife, no kids. Yeah. And it's yeah. intense. Right. Yeah. And so you start to like put yourself and start try and see things from their perspective. There's a, a scene in uh, the film where uh, they're dancing together and there's just like this joy and there's like this, I, don't, I, I can't even describe it, but it's almost like you, you realize that they were an individual outside of being like a parent to you. Like, right. like yes. A, a, a human they're like yeah. a person yeah. uh, and, and that that moment just made me smile what was the reaction from like your parents when they saw the film yeah i got to review the tape because i did set up like my iphone under their tv when they watch it for the first time um and my parents are like they don't like to show their emotion necessarily they do and they don't my dad's a big like poetry guy but maybe like in the most so it, it was interesting like i think i'd love to talk to them about the actual specific reaction they really liked it yeah so they expressed that I think on the uh, on the video, you notice my mom kind of like wipe a tear and then like get herself together during the credits. And my dad thinks <laughs> you see him like 
slightly wipe a tear. And then the first thing he says is, did you get the copyright for that song? Like, <laughs> do you have the license for it? So I'm like, okay, I'm glad I have it on tape because he right. clearly like felt it and then was like, okay, but you got to make sure you have the rights for that. Because, right. like, you know, the label's going to get, I'm like, no, no, we, we, you know, we've got it covered. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that it was a, it was a nice time showing it to them at their house and like, which is where I made all my early films as well. Um, and then I had my oldest sister at the premiere in Toronto and we actually filmed some of it at her house, but she hadn't seen the film yet. And she lost it. Like yeah. for her, because for her, she felt like it was her childhood on screen. Yeah. And she was like, that was much. She's like, that, cause she, like I was born in Canada, but she like moved with my parents when mm. she was like 10. So she's like, that, that was my, she, that wasn't even your childhood. That was right. my childhood. And I'm like, well, no, I also had a, this was a classic, like older sibling, young, yeah. younger sibling, like in the hallway of the movie theater. I was like, no, I, I also have memories and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was really interesting for my family because my siblings feel like I really made a film about my dad and I really didn't think that's what I was doing. Yeah. Like, I think the dad in the film is very different, but it just filters in there, right? Yeah. And so it becomes this really interesting, like, memory that's not a memory that you get to put on screen. It's really it's really weird that way. Yeah. That you get to, like, collectively experience it. Yeah, I felt like that was my dad. Too. I feel like that was, like, every immigrant <laughs> dad. That was everyone's dad. Um, One of the things uh, we were talking about before we started recording was this idea that, like, this process going from like idea to filming mm -hmm. to like releasing to now playing at festivals yeah. and then eventually making it like a feature film could take mm -hmm. like years. Yeah. Um, and I think like as creators, we think that like things should happen like fast. And when yeah. they don't happen fast, we feel like we're not doing something right. Yeah. What is like your relationship with time? Oh man, that's such a good question. That's crazy. Um, complicated. <laughs> <laughs> beyond being someone who definitely has a sense of time blindness where mm. like, I, I don't even like realize it's happening. So there's a deadline, but I think it's so interesting. Cause yeah, when I was like 14, 15 reading Robert Rodriguez's book about filmmaking was like, I'm going to be a filmmaker and then making things with my friends as a teen. I was like, I'm going to have my first feature done when I'm like 19, 20. Mm. And I had all the tools. Like this is when YouTube was coming up. Like digital video editing was hundred percent a thing. Like it was like, yeah, there's no barriers. Like, let's just go do it. Let's just go do it. Let's just go do it. And I had friends who did do that around that age. And it's interesting, like, especially early on, you go, oh, the industry doesn't make for these 50 reasons. So I'm going to like buck all of these trends and be a full revolutionary. And then over time, it's like a combination of realizing why things are that way. Yeah. But then also still trying to push back. And I think like, I've definitely got more patient over the years because I thought like, again, like 19, 20, 21, like that's when I have to have my features done. Yeah. And I think I never felt older than when I was like 22. Mm. And then I never felt younger than when I was like 29, 30. Yeah. And you realize there, I don't want to say there is more time because I feel like you should be pushing, but like, yeah, realizing that it, things do just take time to get to the quality level that you want them to be. Yeah. And I think like something early on that my co-founder of my production company and I realized was like, you know, the traditional path is, is medicine. And he, he actually got into med school and then turned it down to start the production company with me. Wow. It was crazy. And I just thought he failed his exams. <laughs> I was like, he failed the MCAT. I'm not going to bring it up. It's right. fine. And then I found out later that like, no, he got in and turned it down. And I was like, oh, he's really serious. Um, and one thing we realized was like, if you decide to go into med school, people give you a bit of time before your doctor. You're not like six months in and they're like, you haven't done surgeries. Yeah. You're like nine, you're 20. You haven't done a surgery yet. It's like, no, you get like six, seven years. Right. You have to like put your head down. People give you that time, but also the student themselves gives themselves time. Where like you also aren't putting that expectation of yourself. Yeah, you're like for seven, eight years, I'm gonna be heads down. It's gonna take this long. I'm gonna go to that city. I'm gonna really do like my reps. And so we're like, if we can try to have that med school mentality, yep, and give ourselves that that permission, and and also like in a way help the people around us give give us that patience as well. Um, then let's see what it can look like on the other side of that. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's been, it's a weird slowdown speed up. Two of my themes for this year 
One is slow down and one is speed up. Mm. And it's trying to find the balance between those. Yeah. Yo, I love that. And sometimes I, I think that like for me, right, I, I'm just, I'm literally just now getting to a place where I feel like, okay, like I think I'm content. Like I think I'm like good yeah. with like where I'm at. Not necessarily like I'm content enough that like I can actively pursue things and know that like, oh, okay, like it's going to take me five years. That's cool. Like yeah. this is yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, bearable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and before, like I felt like I was at a point where it's like, with the current job I have with trying to do this stuff on the side, there's no way I could do the exactly what I'm doing now yeah. for another three years. It just like, my life sucks too much. Yeah. And so I can't tell if like, I was just in like a crappier situation yeah. and now I'm in, I literally like make more money so I can do this yeah. on the side or if like, Hey, my perspective is just changed. So it's like, you know, I understand it's going to take six yeah. years, whatever, let's do it. It's probably a combo of both. I think. Yeah. yeah it is funny. Cause I think, I don't know if you have the same thing as me, but like, I'm constantly yeah, worried about like, oh, am I making enough? Is it going to be consistent enough and all of that? Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's actually like a different form of worry than what I had before, which is like, if if you had shown me my maybe exact income at this age 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh no, what went wrong? <laughs> but at the same time, if you told me, hey, you're going to get to your 30s and you will have been able to like pay your rent and food and yeah. be married and you're going to be living in LA, right? And then it's like, oh, that sounds amazing. Like, right. How did you pull that off? Right, right, right. And so it's just the some of the details kind of are different than what you think maybe. Yeah. Um, but I think like, yeah, as you mature, as the as the goal matures as well. And you realize like so much of it is about the longevity of being able to stay in the game. And I think now we've been around for enough time where we've seen people burn bright and burn out. Yep. And I think I was telling you earlier, like I've loved podcasts since like 2004 before iTunes had them. Yeah. And then iTunes launched and I was like, Oh no, there's 5,000 podcasts. There's no room. Right. Right. And of course that's not true. And but then when Spotify, I was like, Oh my God, now there's a million. It's crazy. And of course the truth is like, you know, you start when you start and, and you find your audience, but like, even if you go back to that time, the big podcasts of the day back yeah. in 2005, how many are still around? Yeah. I, I can't, I mean, I can think of maybe, maybe This Week in Tech, yep. right? And even yep. that's like not the biggest show in the world. Right. And same thing with like YouTube, same thing with TikTok, same thing with Musical.ly, like the people who were giant stars at the beginning. And that's not to say everybody burns out, but it's a thing of like, if you want to be in it long term, like what does that look like yep. for you? Yeah. Um, uh, how do you balance sort of like, I think the work you're doing requires not only like a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of money. And it's like at any moment, anything can change. Yeah. Add that onto the fact that it's like, Hey, like you have a family and someone to provide for. Yeah. How do you balance that? Yeah. It's, I would say like the family side is, is more encouraging in the sense that like, Oh my God, there's, you're married to someone and you got to like make a life and like, you have to, yeah. you know, get serious about it. And uh, in a fortunate situation where, you know, we're like a double income situation rather than like, yeah. Oh, everything's on me. Right. So that, that is nice. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. There's, there's, there's a certain amount of like, Oh, I have to become or continue being the person that's worthy of being with this person. Yeah. So I got to keep pushing. <laughs> Because they married a bunch of potential. Right, right, right. <laughs> and they made a big deposit in the patient's bank. Right. And I'm spending, you right. know, I'm spending that patient's bank and that's fine. But like, <laughs> where's the ROI, right? So that right. in some ways is encouraging. And I think in, in a lot of ways also, like the money requirements, as scary as it can be, they do, I'm, I'm someone who like, uh, again, I, I haven't been diagnosed for ADHD, but I've, I've got every symptom I've ever read about, which I think is true for a lot of people. But for me, like having some of those responsibilities and pressures actually kind of helps to prioritize. Yep. And it's weird to say like money helps prioritize, but to a certain extent it does. And it does get in the way because sometimes you have to go slower to take a client job and like, yeah. oh, I want to just hundred percent do my own thing. But 
it is, it, it, yeah, the, the more responsibilities there's been, the more it's been easier to say no to certain things and be able to be like, well, there's literally a price tag. And it's not even me with my low confidence pricing myself higher. It's just like life is more expensive. So yeah. I, I can't do this and I have to do that. And if I'm going to do my own thing and make my film, you know, get off the ground, I have done the years of putting a lot of time into other people's projects mm. and for no money. And yeah. being like, well, I literally can't afford to. So if I'm going to be burning that time on someone's project, it's got to be, yeah. You know, my projects have got to be in there, kind of thing. Right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think Francis Coppola had said this something a long time ago around like, I think he had his first kid around when he made The Godfather. Mm. And he was saying, he was speaking to a bunch of students and he's like, you know, you think that you got to wait to have these like life milestones, bef- you know, get started and then you can have those life milestones. But he's like, nothing will make you focus more or work harder than having a baby that you got to feed. Right. Right. And I haven't done the baby part yet because I'm like, I agree in principle, but still let's, you know, um, but I think it is true. It is true to a large extent of like, well, you got to get focused in and that's how you turn into your dad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, one of the things like, I don't know if this is true or not, but one of the things I heard is when people are filming films that sometimes they create or, uh, establish these partnerships that allow them to put like placements in movie. Um, and I think you tell me if this is right or not, but if you were filming a podcast or, you know, drinking a water that you could have X tribe or this podcast studio pay you to have this be somewhat organically included in the film. Is that, like a thing yeah product placement's definitely a thing in in like bigger studio films you don't see it as much in like independent films i've been fascinated by this from like the early days and i think like i it's definitely something i want to pursue because i think the way it works with the studios is like there are like preset companies preset ad agencies and things that handle all of that um but i love looking at what's happening at the giant scale and like how can we scale that down to what we're doing yeah and so i think there's definitely opportunities around that of course you're like you know then it becomes about negotiating rates what does happen a lot uh, a lot, a lot is being able to get like in-kind donations in exchange mm. for things like exposure and and product placement and stuff. So yeah. a lot of times, you know, like like the studio we're in right now to rent this out for a film shoot might be a lot of money, but they might be willing to give a big discount or for free if you are featuring them. And yeah. then it's like, okay, you, and locations are a big line item. So yeah. even if no money is changing hands, that is a big, you know, savings or big sponsorship. So yeah, yeah it's definitely a thing. I have a film that I just wrote that, a large portion of it takes place like kind of in the outdoors. It's these two brothers on this, like, um, you know, out in the woods. And like, I've definitely thought about, oh, does maybe REI, maybe a yeah. REI sponsorship, or are there like outdoors brands yep. that, you know, they can show up with and use. And then I think something a lot of independent filmmakers don't think about, but what I'd love to start thinking about is like getting in with them early enough that is there any extra content we can shoot on set that might mm. help them? Because that kind of thing then they can use on their socials or their like, yeah. And then sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I did this film called Monster Trucks, which no one has heard of, but it was this giant, like, $100 million Paramount movie. Wow. That I was a visual effects coordinator on. It was a year of my life, up to 90-hour weeks we were on this film. But, like, it hit so many delays. Like, one of the sponsorships was Windows Phone. And, like, the longer the film got delayed, Windows Phone stopped existing. But contractually, we still (laughs) had this. So, like, at one point, we had, like, the Windows Phone UI in there. But then, like, the film hit another (laughs) delay. And the Windows Phone itself got canceled. But the shot's still there. But then we have no one to contact to get the UI element. So I think we ended up making up a new UI. But it still had to, like, hit that Nokia contract. But then Nokia was shutting down. So it was, like, a whole thing. So there's a lot of those pieces. And so, um, yeah, I'd be really fascinated pursuing it. And I don't think anyone's done it in a huge way on independent film that much yeah yeah that's amazing i didn't even think about that it becomes it's like a whole other element to uh 
what you're doing when you start partnering with different like brands and entities. But like part of why I was interested in that is because I think that like as creators, we're constantly trying to think about like how to make money. Mm -hmm. And I think like with what's happening with the current economy, it's like the more I think creative you can be with sort of like, Hey, like how can we like collaborate and like you being like forthcoming with like providing the ideas. I think for a lot of creators that could help them make money, right. If you're not just reaching out to, brand X and saying like, Hey, how can we collaborate? Or can you sponsor me? But yeah. you're emailing them with like 10 baked out ideas about like yeah. what that could look like. I think that could give people an advantage. Yeah. That's actually, that's a really good way to put it. And I think that's been a thing for me too, is like, I'll have ideas, but then not like you said, like kind of bake those ideas and, and get it further along to pitch yeah. it because otherwise you just go like, that would be cool. And then what's the next step. Exactly. Right? Um, and something, I don't know if this is really common. It definitely was for me a big thing of like, as I've grown older, like finding the value in partnerships more and yeah. more. And now more partners do exist because more people are in this world. But like, I think early on and even sometimes now it's like, there's like that, that image of like the solo creator, right. Yep. With like the MacBook on their back and they're just doing hundred percent of everything on their own. Uh, or at least that's the story they're telling. Right. Um, and I think more and more I've started to see the value in like, it's, you know, I think earlier I was like, well, but I can do this and I can do that and I can yeah. do that. And now it's like, it's okay. Even, even from an ego perspective, just accept that fine. Maybe you have those skills, right. but you don't have all those hours. Right. And being right. able to partner up and find those people and, you know, like um, for a feature that I'm working on, I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool to do merch that's like, oh, mm. this. So in one of them, the main character is an illustrator. So I was like, oh, can we make like stickers and stuff that are like based on his illustrations? And that might be something where it'd be really fun to find like a person with an Etsy store that's already on TikTok to maybe yeah. build those, right? And then then it's about finding a partnership with someone who's like able to manage that relationship. Right. And so even though that's not a traditional job in indie film, who's that like, <laughs> I'm going to hate myself for saying this words, but like the brand synergy person yeah, yeah, on yeah. your independent film team, right? right? And it's like a weird way to think about it. But I think, again, from that audience perspective, as someone who watches movies like I think movie people think that movies are all that exists in the world. Yeah. And they don't realize that like, no, people are playing video games and watching TikTok, they're doing whatever. And I think like as an audience member, I'm like, yeah, I want to support independent films, but like, where are they playing? Are they at the right times? What can I do? And sometimes it's like, no, I do just want it to be on streaming, but I would support you if there was like a thing to buy that's maybe not just a t-shirt. Right. Um, And so trying to find those like, you start to become a product person as well. So it's like all these things and you're like, okay, where's the balance between like focus and being smart and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that. That's spot on. And I think like, I hope more creators start thinking about that because I do think that partnerships across the board, Mm. I think help you make more money faster in my opinion. Because it's like, say you did like a Patreon or something, the number of people it would take you to get like what probably one brand would pay you. Right. Same amount of effort to get both of them, but you know, you'd make a lot more. That's a really good way to put it because I've really been thinking about Patreon. I'm like, not yet, not now, no. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it of like, if you could get a thousand patrons at $5 a month or yeah. $5 every couple months, it's like, well, if you get a $5,000 brand deal. Right. Yeah. You just Watch. did that, right? Yeah, and that's going to take a lot more effort, I think, the yeah. 5000 Yeah, because what I've tried to explain to folks, like people, who, like I'm really lucky to have people in my life who are like very supportive of me. And they're like, you, if you did this, like you'd make so much money. If you did a Patreon, dude, that yeah. would take off. And I'm like, I appreciate that you would. Right, right? Yeah, exactly. There's maybe like 12 of you <laughs> and the 120 month. But like, it's hard to explain that like, no, because then I need to be doing a lot more yeah. consistent content. Like if I'm giving someone $10 a month. Right, right. I, I do kind of expect like a lot of exclusive stuff or even yeah. like, you know, podcasts I like, at least they're doing like an exclusive episode every week or yep. something, right? So if it's already a podcast, that's fine. But if I'm like, okay, now i got to be like documenting the journey. But for these 15 people, yeah. like, I do want to get there, but yep. um. But yeah, it's a it's a tough one to explain, especially to people who are like what I'd call super fans. I'm yeah. not saying I have a thousand super fans. Yeah. But those like 10, 15 people in my life. Right. Like, I'd buy anything. I'd buy the tickets. I'd buy the whatever. It's like, right. I love it. Right. 
that's not yeah. <laughs> that's not where I I'm at with more, everybody. I need more of you. Yeah, exactly. And I hope yeah. to get there. And and sometimes it's just like yeah, can I guess I need to like sit down and make that plan for for how to yeah. get there. I think like a big thing for filmmakers or for people who maybe it's actually music is a similar different is like once you have a big project that's out there, you can do a lot around that project. Yeah. So right now my film is at festivals. I can do some content around festivals, but like really when the film comes out, like I shot a lot of behind the scenes on this one and I know it would do really well on TikTok, but I'm like, if I put it up now, there's nowhere for anyone to go. Exactly. So I'm like, I've just got this hard drive of really good footage. I got yeah. a documentarian friend of mine to like come in and shoot for a day. Oh man. Good stuff on there. But I'm like, okay, you're going to follow me and then what? Yeah. We've got to have the film ready to like to watch and ready to, yeah. ready to jump on. Right. Yeah. Yo, I love that. Kashif, thanks for joining me. Where can people find you and how can they support you? Oh, thanks so much for having me. Um, you know what? In the spirit of us meeting on TikTok, let's, uh, let's have people find me on TikTok and, and maybe Instagram. So my name is at Kashif Pasta, K-A-S-H-I-F-P-A-S-T-A. If you're listening to this, it's probably written somewhere in, yeah. in where you're listening to it. Uh, and yeah, follow me, message me. Let's be friends. Yeah. yeah. And I'll definitely put it in the show notes and all the clips. Thanks for listening. It would mean the world to me, by the way, if you could leave me a review on Apple or Spotify, your feedback would so mean the world to me. Thanks for checking in. Peace. Peace.